Well, what's up, everyone? This is another fantastic episode of Good Morning Liberty. As you can tell from the different intro, it might be a bit of a different podcast. It is White Pill Wednesday. I'm here by myself. My name is Nate Thurston. Charles Thompson is out today. And, you know, on White Pill Wednesdays, we're supposed to talk about all the good stuff that's going on. These days, it's harder and harder to find good things. But I did, in fact, find a few. I'm not going to be giving a ton of commentary today. Honestly, it hasn't been that great of a day. And uh, yeah, someday, someday we'll talk about it. You know, maybe. We'll see. Okay, probably not. But anyway, we do have a few good things. And there are a few videos in here that I want to play. Now, Rand Paul and Dr. Fauci went at it again today. And man, I really hope that the Republicans pay attention to how lucky they are to still have Rand Paul as a Republican. And I hope he does run for president again someday and when. But he took Dr. Fauci to task again for like the fifth time. And it was a pretty good interaction. Let's listen to that. Uh, but she's had the flu for 14 days. Should she get a flu shot? Well, no, if she got the flu for 14 days, she's as protected as anybody can be because the best vaccination is to get infected yourself. And so she if, not she get re- it. if she really has the flu, if she really has the flu, she definitely doesn't need a flu vaccine. Next, if she really has the flu, she right. should not get it again. No, she doesn't need it because the, it's the be, it's the most potent vaccination is getting infected yourself. By the way, this is Rand Paul bringing this video and playing it in front of Dr. Fauci. I love it. This is an ongoing question, and you know we've had ever evolving opinions from you, Dr. Fauci. Currently, antibody surveys show that uh, 80% of children, approximately 80% of children, have had COVID, and yet there are no guidelines coming from you or anybody in the government to take into account their naturally acquired immunity. You seem quite certain of yourself in 2004, but in 2022, there's a lot less certainty. One of the things that we also know after looking at this for two to three years uh, is that the mortality uh, from COVID is very similar, if not less, than, than influenza. So when we look at this, we wonder, you know, why you seem to really embrace basic immunology back in 2004 and how you or why you seem to reject it now. Well, <clears throat> I don't uh, reject basic immunology, Senator, and I have never denied that there is importance of the protection following infection. However, as we have said many times, and as has been validated by the authorization of the, by the FDA through their committee and the recommendation by the CDC through their committee, that a vaccination following infection gives an added extra boost. And that film that you showed is really taken out of context. I believe that was when someone called in who had had a reaction to a vaccine and asked me through a telephone in the interview if they should get vaccinated again. So it was in the context of someone who had a reaction. And as a matter of fact, Reuters fact check looked at that and said, Fauci's 2004 comments do not contradict his pandemic actually, stance. Actually, words don't lie. If you look at the words behind me, we can go over them a little bit at a time. She doesn't need it because the most potent vaccination right. 
is getting infected yourself. It is so, true. It is true, Senator. It is a very potent way to protect. So when you're trying to tell us that kids need a third or a fourth vaccine, are you including the variability or the variable of previous infection in the studies? No, you're not. Because when you have approved vaccines in recent times and the committees that have approved it for children don't report anything on right. hospitalization or death or transmission. Right. They only report that if you give them the jab, they'll make antibodies. And you can give kids hundreds of jabs and they'll make antibodies every time, but that does not prove efficacy. Right. So what you're doing is denying the very fundamental premise of immunology that previous infection does provide some sort of immunity. It's not in any of your studies. Almost none of your studies from the CDC or from the government have the variable of whether or not you've been previously infected. So let's look at adults. I've had three infections. Should I get a fourth one? If you're gonna measure whether I get a fourth one, you need a, a category that has a fourth one in it and you need one that has nothing in it, no vaccine or the fourth vaccine. But you also need to know whether they've been infected. If you ignore whether they've been infected, you're ignoring a vaccine, basically. So you're ignoring a variable. So what you're giving us is this, the, you decry, and people decry vaccine hesitancy. It's coming from the gobbledygook that you give us. You're not paying attention right. to the science. The very basic science is that previous infection provides a level of immunity. If you ignore that in your studies, if you don't present that in your committees, you're not being truthful or honest with us. Uh, Senator, if I might respond, I have never ever denied fundamental immunology. In fact, I wrote the chapter in the textbook of medicine is it any on of the, fundamental any, any of the immunology. Any of the guidelines for vaccines, you know, do any of the guidelines for vaccines from the government include previous infection as something to base your decision-making on with vaccines? Do uh, any of the guidelines involve previous infection? That's why you're ignoring previous right. infection, because it doesn't involve any of the guidelines. And furthermore, We've been asking you, and you refuse to answer, whether anybody on the vaccine committees gets royalties from the pharmaceutical companies. I asked you last time, and what was your response? We don't have to tell you. Right. We've demanded them through Freedom of Information Act, and what have you said? We're not going to tell you. But I tell you this, when we get in charge, we're gonna change the rules, and you will have to divulge where you get your royalties from, from what companies, and if anybody on the committee has a conflict of interest, we're gonna learn about it, I promise you that. Uh, Mr. Chair, can I, can I respond to that, please? May. Okay, there are two aspects for what you said. You keep saying you approve, you do this, you do that. The committees that give the approval are FDA through their advisory committee. The committees that recommend are CDC through their advisory committee. And you keep saying, I'm the one that's approving a vaccine based on certain data. So I don't really understand with all due respect, Senator. And I okay, so I really like how Dr. Fauci uh, turns this around. Once Rand has some pretty good points on him and says, I didn't do this. You keep saying that I did this. This is the committees. This is the FDA. Well, it's not like Dr. Fauci hasn't been the one out there talking about all the guidelines. Mr. Science, science himself out there giving recommendations to people for what to do. And uh, Rand Paul's got some really good points here. And we haven't been talking about natural immunity. 
nearly as much. Now they've shifted a little bit. They call it uh, post-infection immunity or something like that. Now they can't say natural immunity, but whatever it is that they call it. They've just recently started talking about that again. And I'm the reason this is a white pill is because Rand Paul has done a really good job taking Fauci to task over all of these issues. And of course, as you can see, he ends up shifting the blame away and saying that he has nothing to do with any of it. But he has been the one out there talking constantly, nonstop, giving all of these recommendations. And that's not going to get past anyone. All right, so that's the uh, the first white pill. It's always good to hear someone actually uh, actually take someone to task over some of the, oh, let's just be nice. Let's just say miscommunications. Now, I also wanted to play this clip uh, also pertaining to COVID from Bill Maher, and he had Aaron Rodgers on. And the reason this is a white pill, once again, is because these are mainstream people. This is Aaron freaking Rodgers, one of my least favorite people in the entire world because I'm a Cowboys fan. And if you know anything about football, you would know why I would say that. And Bill Maher, which of course, he's been on the right side of this or almost the right side of this for quite some time now. And it's always good to get these little clips out there. To me, the, the frightening thing was never the disease itself. The frightening thing was how much you could, you could get people so quickly to change their way of life. Stay home, wear a mask, you know, don't touch. It was altruistic at first. It's like, all right, yeah, yeah we'll take course. two weeks to flatten the curve, right? And then just about well, uh, every conspiracy theory came true. Vaccine mandates, vaccine passports. Right. And it turned into like away from doing your job to stop the, the spread to like lockdowns. And that's my whole problem. You know, I grew up in a small town, very little cases up in Chico, California, but all the small businesses fucking gone. I mean, our favorite restaurants in L.A. and New York and across the country, not just in big cities, but some crazy percentage will never open again. Why? Absolutely. And then what are we doing for them? What are we doing for the well, small businesses? There was some PPE loans and, and stuff that people could file for. Well, we but did. We passed out six trillion dollars and the. The sad fact about that is that a very big, big, big chunk of it was just flat out stolen. Yeah. I mean, we spent more to keep people hiding under the bed than we did for World War II. World War II cost $4 trillion, and we passed out almost $6 trillion for this. I mean, wow. All right. Once again, just good to hear people talking about this. Aaron Rodgers makes the point, and this is the one that I saw a lot of people responding to, that all the conspiracy theories came true. Okay, not maybe not all of them. I don't know if there are microchips in the vaccines. Uh, I don't know. I haven't had one. We'll have to ask Charlie. But other stuff, the lab leak hypothesis, at least a highly entertained idea by even people in the mainstream now. The mandatory vaccines, the vaccine passports. I still remember talking to my wife about this when this first thing when this all first happened i said we're gonna end up having mandatory vaccines or vaccine passports and she thought i was being crazy she thought maybe i've been listening to uh, some of the crazy right-wing extremists too much and uh, of course a lot of that turned out to be true we all know that so like i said there's going to be a lot of videos and stuff today because i'm just not all here right now but there are some good things and I almost didn't do an episode. It is late in the day. 
I saw that Rand Paul video come through and I was like, you know what? We just got to do it. We just got to get this thing out here. So pushing through right now, and I'm going to show you a couple other things, or at least let you listen to a couple other things. Now, this is a story. It's a video posted by the NRA. So before I play it, I'll just warn you, it's, uh, it comes across very, it's almost like a, in, like a televangelist kind of thing. Uh, almost the, almost a religious aspect to it. So just be aware of that. But the facts of the case are what's actually important here. So the, the facts of this case are back in July at a 4th of July party. Uh, someone came in, started shooting people at a party. One of the guys who got shot, uh, actually woke up, even though he had been shot in the head, he woke up, he was concealed carrying and, uh, two people were killed, but he killed the shooter before he could kill anyone else. And of course we didn't hear a lot about this. And now, uh, the NRA is doing a video about it. And I, you know, we hear so much about all of the gun violence and all of the terrible things that happened, uh, that, that continue to happen throughout the country. We hardly ever hear about the people that are saved by someone with a gun. And it happens more often than you think. In fact, there's a really big unseen problem that we have because the fact that people have guns ends up preventing crimes from happening. Maybe I won't go rob that house because it seems like they might be a gun owner, uh, things like that. And so we don't really see those numbers. That's a difficult thing to quantify, but this is one where this guy saved numerous people's lives after being shot in the head himself. So when this NRA video with the cheesy music in the background and everything. He does get his story across, and I just thought that we should listen to that. My name is Raul, and on July 3rd this year, we were celebrating our freedom at our friend's house when the unthinkable happened. A neighbor we never met came in uninvited and started shooting at all of us right out of the blue. Before I can actually comprehend what was happening, one of our dear friends was shot and died instantly. Next thing you know, the shooter shot me right in the side of the head and through my left eye. I hit the ground unconscious. Everyone in the house was screaming bloody murder and thought I was dead, including my family who sprinted to a nearby bedroom and tried barricading themselves. What felt like an eternity passed, and then my eyes opened by God's grace to the sound of the shrieking screams of my wife, two daughters, and friends who knew I carried a concealed pistol. After a short struggle against two brave friends, the shooter broke away from the fight and started to reach for his second gun with my family lined up as his next victims. But I put four shots in his chest and sent him straight to hell. If I didn't have my gun, everyone in the house would have died. The news vans would have been front and center, but because I did, he never even heard about it. In fact, each year, over one million law-abiding Americans use firearms to protect themselves and their loved ones. But in 2021, America's five largest newspapers published just 10 news stories reporting defensive firearm use. In contrast, those same newspapers had a total of 1,743 news stories containing the key words murder, gunfire, or shock. We still have no idea why that man opened fire that day but it has only reinforced our family support for the second amendment. Okay. You get the idea. Like I said, um, it, it's an NRA fundraising video, but the story is important and I couldn't find the guy talking about it anywhere else. So we had to play that regardless. 
of all of that. Uh, if you want to donate to the NRA, that's up to you. That's not what we're talking about here. This is an important story, and it's something that doesn't get covered nearly often enough. And we can talk about this in the context of uh, the Second Amendment and your right to own a weapon. And we can also have this as a white pill because this guy saved people's lives, including his family. You heard him say that the, the shooter had a second gun. And while he was getting his second gun, this guy took him down. And that's awesome. Good job. Good job on you. He probably saved a lot of lives, including his wife and kids. So there's a white pill, if I ever heard one. We got one more video here that was just kind of funny. Um, it's from uh, it's from RT, and they're doing this thing on climate change and all the terrible things going on in Russia and Pakistan and, and all that. And they have this scientist come on to uh, validate all of their feelings. And turns out uh, that's not what he was there to do. And it just created a... Pretty amazing exchange. I really liked it. Let's play that one. Russia's deadly wildfires, the smog-filled cities and poor harvest are being seen by some environmentalists as signs of climate change. Let's now cross live to London to discuss this with Piers Corbyn. He's an astrophysicist and also founder of Weather Action. Uh, Good to have you. Thanks very much indeed for joining us live there in London. So what we're seeing here is a drastic change in climate, aren't we? Well, climate has always been changing, uh, but this has nothing to do with man. In fact, we predicted that there would be extreme heat in uh, East Europe and Russia this uh, summer. And uh, it's caused by a certain circulation pattern. CO2 does not cause circulation patterns. What causes those is a combination of solar activity and uh, the state of the, the phases of the moon. But hang on, Piers, uh, wait, wait, fact, excuse me, just a minute. You say this isn't caused by man. How come they're reporting this heat wave is recognized as the worst in a thousand years of recorded history in well, Russia? Well, and surely well, of course, man has got something to do with this, hasn't he? No, nothing to do with it. The only, the only connection is man is here at the same time as the sun and the moon are doing things. Um, You see, a very similar situation happened about 132 years ago, where there was the same sun, earth, lunar, magnetic states. Um, There was uh, heat waves in Russia, and there were also floods in Pakistan, as now. And in the previous few years, there was also uh, floods in the English summers, uh, also 132 years ago. So these things are dictated by solar activity in the moon. They're nothing to do with mankind and those who say that are just trying to make money out but, of but, but, but are we not going to see this like. are we not going to see this again next year, the year on? I mean it's only well, it's quite recent that that's are, a very interesting question. These things do come in bursts and we're working on that very question, those forecasts. We did say there would be a series of wet summers in England, for example, uh, which we've had. Now, will there be a series of these very hot hot summers in, in Russia? We don't know. We have to work on that. But I assure you, it's nothing to do with carbon dioxide. And if you stop stop driving around Moscow, it won't affect next summer one job. Well, how come then so many climate change scientists uh, disagree with you <laughs> and they get so much support well, for what they say? They're on a gravy train, for heaven's sake. I love this guy. I don't know anything about him, but I... Judging by this interview, he seems like a pretty good dude. Um, no, no, it doesn't have anything to do with humans other than, other than the fact that um, it's happening and humans ha- happen to be here. That's uh, that's about it. And why is it that so many climate change scientists say that this is caused by man? Well, they're on the gravy chain train. They're uh, they're they're making a lot of money. I love it.
is so good. Now, he has an explanation for it. I don't know anything about the science behind it. He's talking about the specific aligning of the sun and the moon and all that. And uh, clearly the moon affects our tides and you could bring that in with, uh, with flooding and stuff like that. So I have no clue. I'm not going to pretend to know anything about the science. I just love the guy's response to this whole thing. Okay. One other thing I want to do, I planned on this being about a 30 minute episode and I might get done a little bit sooner than that. But listen, I do have, I do have one really, really good white pill thing to tell you about. All right. And that's that my beard is flourishing. I mean, it's been kind of embarrassing for quite some time now, but I got it. I got to get on this, this whole beard thing. And luckily we've got the beard club here as a sponsor. And one of the best things don't, don't, uh, don't let my wife listen to this, but it's truly no secret that, that the ladies, when they see a beard, it's it's an uncontrollable reaction. There's nothing that they can do about it, all right? And I like growing it, you know, when I can. I haven't been very good at it for a while. That's why I went with the uh, the growth package, the growth kit from Beard Club. It's got a lot of cool stuff in the growth vitamins, oils, this derma roller thing that tickles your face and gets the hair follicles going. And they've also got other great kits as well. They've got the, the grooming kit, Got an amazing trimmer in it. That truly, it's a beard-changing device. There's no painful hair pulling. It's sturdy, has amazing, amazing battery life. It's the same trimmer that NBA player James the Beard Harden uses, and he's also an investor in the company. Like I said, I got the growth kit, but whatever, no matter what type of beard y'all have out there, listen, we're libertarians, okay? There's a lot of beards out there. I know it. I go to the conventions. I see them. And the fact of the matter is if you just do a little bit of grooming on that thing, maybe lose the neck, maybe lose some of the neck beard, y'all. Okay. But you do you. You do whatever it is that that you want to do with your beard. But I really recommend that y'all use the Beard Club. I got the package because they're a sponsor on the show, and I'm actually going to be reordering some supplies from them. So that's that's a true story. That's not in the ad. That's a true story for everyone, okay? No matter what type of beard you have, Beard Club has the perfect kit to fit your needs. Beard Club has over 2 million beards served. So grow your best beard today and take 20% off your first order when you go to beardclub.com slash GML. Use that code GML. That's beardclub.com slash GML. Use the code GML for 20% off your first order. All right, the last thing that we're going to talk about, and this one, interestingly enough, was originally a submission for Dumb Bleep. And I saw the headline, and I thought the same thing. I was like, man, that is dumb. This is ridiculous. And then I read into the article because I wanted to know some more. And it's always important to read into the article because it turns out it's the exact opposite of what the headline actually uh, sounds like. The the headline, I'll read you the headline. Jay-Z compares being labeled a capitalist to being called the N-word. Jay-Z compares being labeled a capitalist to being called the N-word. Now, when you first read the headline, you think, wow, he really, really hates capitalists. He really, really hates capitalism. He does not want to be called that at all. That is as bad as calling him the N-word. It's That's actually not the case. That's not what he was saying. Let me read you some of the article here from Yahoo. 
Jay-Z has never shied away from his aspirations of accumulating wealth and power. He's attained them throughout the course of his career. However, the rapping mogul recently took issue with being labeled a capitalist and equated the negative connotation of the term to a racial slur. During a Twitter Spaces chat, Jay-Z spoke on the plight of minorities and their quest for financial freedom. Quote, all these lies that America told us our whole life, and then when we start getting it, they try to lock us out of it, the billionaire hitmaker said in an audio chat. They start inventing words like capitalist. We've been called bad words and bad words. I don't care what words y'all come up with. Y'all got to come with some stronger words. Now, we don't have to get into uh, you know lies that America told us or anything. Maybe we could disagree with what he means by some of it, but whatever. I don't think that that's the important part of this story. The important part is that he was not saying that being a capitalist is like the N-word. He's saying that people are using that to put him down as he makes a lot of money providing value to people. And that people are using this as a, like it is a slur and giving it a negative connotation. And then he's going further and saying that they are calling him that with a negative connotation because he is a minority. And it's a way to put him down without actually using the M word. It's actually the exact opposite of what the title of the article sounds like. The entrepreneur and artist encourage minorities to embrace the success, security, and lifestyle that comes along with being wealthy, he drives his point home by accusing society of attempting to make minorities, quote, feel ashamed to be successful while acknowledging the trap set in place to derail and impede the progress of black and brown youth. Last quotes here, quote, y'all locked us out. Y'all created a system that doesn't include us. We said, fine, we went our alternate route. We created this music. We did our thing. You know, we hustle. We effing killed ourselves to get to this space and now it's like eat the rich and man we're not stopping so he's saying that people are the people have these negative feelings about him being rich because he's black no i don't think that's the case i think people generally gen, generally just have negative feelings about people being rich probably out of envy and a combination of greed themselves greed and envy and they don't like seeing people that are really successful they're probably they're probably going along with the fixed pie uh, fallacy that if someone has a lot of money, that means that it was all taken from other people. All of your general reasons that people say on the left hate it when someone is wealthy. But once again, he is not saying that being a capitalist is a bad thing. He's saying that it's a good thing. He's saying that if you can, you need to get out there and hustle and make your money and be proud of it. Don't be ashamed of being successful. And that is the kind of message that people need to hear. Specifically, I believe in the minority communities where there's obviously higher poverty rates and all the other stuff going on in society that we talk about all the time, um, people need to hear this message. It is not a bad thing to get out there and make a lot of money by providing value to other people. That's never a bad thing. If people freely exchange value with you, and if you want to call that a capitalist to put someone down, I don't like it. And neither does Jay-Z. And I think that that's a really good thing. I think that's a good white pill. That's all we're going to do today, folks. Uh, like I said, sorry, I'm a little bit out of a little bit out of pocket today. A little, you know, just kind of not having it today. But there are some white pills. I almost didn't do an episode, but I still wanted to do one. If you enjoyed today's show, if you think someone needs to hear some of these positive stories, well, 
tell them to listen to Good Morning Liberty every single day of the week when we want to, to subscribe, to follow, to find us on YouTube, hit like on the YouTube videos, comment on them, feed the algorithms. We got to feed the algos so they will reward us afterwards. So go to each one of our pages, like, share, comment, do all of that stuff. And if you do every single one of them, I mean every single one, don't, don't even try to not do all of them, then we will be right back here again tomorrow. Until then, have a good day and a good morning. Liberty. <laughs>